Seedlings to Seed to Sound. We are here at MJ BizCon 2019 in Las Vegas, and we're here with Mandy Tingler. Yay, Yay welcome Mandy. Thanks, ladies. <laughs> and Mandy is the Business Development and Community Relations Director of Natural Life and Science. Yes, so I exciting. Am. Yeah, Natura is a really amazing new project up in Sacramento. Oh yeah, we've been hearing all about you guys. Good, I'm glad Good to things. hear that. Oh yeah. I'm really glad to hear that. <laughs> so let's just jump right into it. Yep. You're a cannabis lobbyist as well as an advocate. Yep. Looking back on 2019, what was the biggest step forward for the industry? Uh, definitely NCIA's efforts towards getting the Safe Banking Act mm -hmm. to pass the House. Um, that was definitely, for me, my, you know, we're on the right track <laughs> moment. Um, it was just very... I personally, in collaboration with all the members at NCIA and the board, um, I put in a lot of lobbying effort around that one. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was near and dear to my heart. Oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah. So now that we've covered 2019, what are some of your 2020 predictions for cannabis? Sure, sure. Uh, 2020 predictions for cannabis. Um, I think that vertical integration, whether it's doing it individually or um, finding the right strategic partnerships and um, really delineating out what the relationship specifics will look like mm -hmm. and writing up a contract. Too many people are not doing contractual relationships Oh my right gosh. Now. It blows my mind. Um, it's so simple because we're so many people are desperate to mm -hmm. to get people in and get to working and solving their immediate needs that they're making rash partnership decisions mm -hmm. instead of really ironing it out so that's number one better strategic partnerships with more specific detail to them and i also think that uh co-manufacturing mm. um is going to be not the trend if you will but right. a requirement i think that in this industry um, there's just too many unknown variables. There's a lot of people who set out to be entrepreneurs in this space. Um, and they're really great at their brand mm -hmm. idea, but they're so boggled down with the burdens of, you know, chasing down more funding, growing their facility, managing more staff. It's just, it's not cost effective, I think, for businesses to right. keep chasing and chasing when you can cut down on the things you're not an expert at and just focus on what you are an expert at. So contract manufacturing, I think, is it's an expert region of the industry. You Absolutely. go to a manufacturer because they know how to make exactly what you want. You just go market your brand. Yeah, we've been hearing a lot of that recently. The, you know, jack of all trades, master of none model is kind of moving away from there. It's, it's, we've had to do, we've had to do it to survive, right? Um, and, Historically speaking, we have been an under-the-radar industry. People are coming out now and they're taking on a responsibility that they could never have imagined how truly big and the level of intensity it would take to make their business into a real business. Um, 
and then also not to mention coming out of the shadows of running it however you want and then all of a sudden you got all this regulatory requirement you're not going to go to jail but you don't know how to accomplish all of the regulatory requirement and of course the cost of fortune so um, that's one of the benefits also of co-manufacturing mm -hmm. you go to a co-packer so that they they are the regulatory. They know what your packaging needs to have. They know what the specs have to be for the specific products that you're making. And they can tweak and, and maneuver formulations pretty rapidly. Um, there's not a lot of R&D at a professional manufacturing place, but when you're manufacturing on your own, there's a lot of R&D. Right. So. Yeah. I read a New York Times article on you recently yeah. about breaking the news of working in the industry to your parents. Mm -hmm. What advice can you offer to other individuals who work in and with cannabis on approaching conversations like this with their families or friends? Sure. Um, I actually, when I first came into cannabis, um, I was doing some fun hobby work. One of my hobbies is event planning. I, I love it. I totally geek out over event planning. Um, big celebrations is really my thing. Not so much trade shows, it's kind of boring <laughs> to me. But parties and like celebrating joyous mm -hmm. moments. And I actually um, had a friend refer a client to me to plan their wedding. And I found out that the couple was in the cannabis industry, very prominent cannabis business owners actually in, in the Sacramento region. And um, I asked the future wife, I said, because I was in cannabis, but I was under the radar at the mm -hmm. time. And I asked her, I said, how do you as a mom, because I'm a mom of two, how do you as a mom present yourself to the world and be a very hands-on mom and still be open about how you guys support your family? Because that's a common question for a mom to get asked. What do you do? Right. Are you stay-at-home mom? Do you work? You know, what's your situation? And she said the most simple but real thing and I have never forgotten it and she said to me I make a really great living my kids are well taken care of it gives me the opportunity to be a hands-on mom still and if anyone is going to shame me for that shame on them and so immediately I adopted that mm -hmm. um, I knew that my hopes and dreams for this industry as far as my involvement would require me to come out of the shadows mm -hmm. and it would require me to you know walk the walk if i'm going to preach to other people that they need to do that then i needed to lead that way um and so i just talk about it i tell everybody talk about it normalize it if it's not normal to you it's not going to be normal to the people that are around you and they're going to feel uncomfortable I just talk about cannabis everywhere I go. I don't care who I'm around, my doctor, my kid's soccer coach, my grandparents, my mom's you know, church friends that sing in the choir and they are pastors. And I don't care. I'm going to talk about it. If you get tired of it, that's okay. You can walk away and then we'll talk about some more later. <laughs> just talk, 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 talk. And, and I think the other important piece of talking about it is to speak positively. Um, not burdening down our future consumers with our burdens. They don't want to hear that. Right. They want to know how this is going to work and why they should turn to that instead of an aspirin or, you know, a prescription Motrin or whatever. They don't, they don't want to hear our woes. Mm -hmm. You want to go to your friend's house and listen to them complain about their, <laughs> their job? No. <laughs> <laughs> So do you think public acceptance of cannabis will continue to increase in 2020 or has it sort of plateaued? No, 
is not anywhere near a plateau. Um, I think that, and I, I actually say this all the time too, that in the industry, it's so commonplace for us. We talk about it all the time. It's, it's generic to us. It's, it comes easy. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not easy for our new consumers. It's not comfortable for them. There's still a stigma. Right. It's up to us to, like I was saying, walk the walk show them why it shouldn't be something that they're afraid of, empower them to do the same for their friends and family. And then I think that um, we, and I mean this to literally everyone who's walking through this expo floor, um, that you need to resolve yourself with the fact that you will be a lifetime educator. That is your role. I don't care if you build extraction equipment or you are, trimming on a farm somewhere your responsibility is to be a lifetime educator and to to go as far and wide as you can with talking about cannabis so that other people feel okay there are consumers if you're a brand and you are not talking directly to un cannabis friendly people you are doing yourself a disservice right you got to go out and talk to people who don't get cannabis who maybe are just downright aggressive towards it and you've got to meet them where they're at and find a way to start that mm -hmm. dialogue. Absolutely. I definitely think CBD is helping to sort of bridge that gap. Yes. And that's so exciting to see. It really is. I think also there needs to be a broadened discussion around the other cannabinoids. Yes. We've, we've glorified CBD <laughs> and that's great. The general market is now asking about it, mm -hmm. but like, you know, we have regulatory requirements on CBD and THC, but what about the other cannabinoids, oh people? My God. I know. <laughs> like, can we start talking about CBN and like CBDA? We talk about all these other cannabinoids um, because that conversation is so critical. Mm -hmm. We have to teach the new consumer, and and we have to teach their their doctors. Uh, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Larry Mishkin, and I'd like to invite you to join Rob Hunt and me on our weekly podcast, The Deadhead Cannabis Show. Each week, we explore the latest cannabis and jam band news and reminisce with other deadheads and jam band lovers about the great musical acts that we've seen and heard. Check out a new episode every Monday.